The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Good morning. Welcome again to the Tabernacle. Uh, my name is John. I don't know about you, but my favorite part of that little intro video is the last little ding. I don't know. It just puts me in a good mood. I don't know. Maybe I'm strange. I probably am. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we want you to feel uh, welcome to be a part of things here. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, the last uh, couple of months, I've been kind of, uh, uh, I don't know what the word is. I, I was captured by this radio announcement. Um, I'm not sure the exact radio station was on. It might have been on a few different ones or maybe a family of radio stations up here, but it was talking to us about uh, the Center for Smartphone and Screen Addictions. You remember this thing? And I remember the first time I heard it because it started talking about, are you spending an inordinate amount of time on your smartphone? Do you find it frightening to think of being in a cabin in the woods where there's no Wi-Fi or television or anything else like that? And how much do your children spend on devices and iPads and all this? And it says, there is help for you. And I remember driving and going, are you for real? <laughs> People are dying in this world, you know, and it was, but then the funny thing was, is I started thinking, could I do that? Is that me? Am I addicted? You know, and then uh, more than usual, I found myself turning off my phone, the ringer, et cetera, et cetera. And then it turns out that it was a big farce, right? That it was actually, uh, uh, it wasn't an April Fool's joke because it was running, I think, in February and March as well. But they were trying to prove the power of advertising on radio. And they had experts on there. In fact, the doctor uh, that was there to help you at this, I think it was a Traverse City-based clinic, um, his name was actually nonsense spelled backwards, Right. But they touched a nerve with some of us because some things in life can control us, can they not? And we, we don't like the idea, at least I don't like the idea of being controlled by anything. But the fact of the matter is, is that all of us are controlled by something or someone. All of us have a master. Now, we're in Romans. We're in Romans part four. In fact, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Romans chapter six. Uh, if you don't have one, don't worry. We'll put the text up on the screen. But this is going to be key to understanding this new life that Paul is talking about. 
Because the basic premise of this part of Romans, and even if you're just joining us, we can bring you up to speed real quick, is he's saying, for those of us that trust Christ, for those of us that believe in God and love Jesus and want to worship Jesus, ask him into our lives, we are promised new life. And not only are we promised new life, but what comes with this new life is a new power to live in a different way. And the power doesn't come from us, the power comes from God. And specifically, this new life and this new power basically says that there's a new control, there's a new master in our lives. There's a new master. Key to understanding this, though, is this fact, and it's philosophical, but I think if we just think about it a second, you'll get it. None of us are totally free. In fact, there is no absolutely free being in the universe except God. God is totally free. But as created beings, by definition, we are not. And we can never be absolutely free in the most complete, absolute sense. We all have a master. We are all controlled by something or someone. That which you place the highest value on, that controls you. So you can be here today and, well, I don't believe in God. That's fine. God gives you that choice. But you have a master. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. I do what I want. I hang out with the friends that I want and they make me feel good about myself. Great. Your friends are your master. No, they're not. My, you know, I, I don't have time for God. I don't have time for this belief. I'm, I, you know, I want to get a good education so I can get a good job and make a lot of money so that I can be free. Great. So money's your master. And in the meantime, education's your master. You're all controlled by someone or something. We give control away. That which is our highest value, that which we pursue. In fact, in 1979, a legendary music artist by the name of Bob Dylan, he actually wrote a song about it, right? And even if you couldn't quite understand the words, what he was singing is, you got to serve somebody, right? Remember that? How many of you didn't understand a word he was saying? Great, then you know it was Bob Dylan, right? It was Bob Dylan, and then you asked Pastor Tim, what was he saying? And he'll tell you every line. So. <laughs> but Dylan had it right. you got to serve somebody. We all serve somebody. And what Paul's going to break down for us is what that looks like. Believe it or not, if you think hard enough about how you order your time, how you order your attention, your money, you're serving somebody or something. And it's that which we value highest. Paul puts it this way, starting in verse 14 of Romans 6. He says, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. This is why this week we've titled it, you have a new master that comes from the new power in this new life. Verse 15, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? There's that question again. He says, of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. 
Thank God once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. It was Jesus who said that no one can serve two masters. You will either love the one and hate the other, or you'll hate the one and love the other. But you can't serve two masters, and all of us are serving something. And what Paul is telling us here, that with this new life in Christ, what you are promised is a new master, a new person that you put your life in submission to and say, I want you to control it. And again, we go back to that idea because this can be very jarring. It was quite a big passage and you're reading through there and it's talking about you used to be a slave to sin. Now you're a slave to God. And it's like, why does God want me to be a slave? Well, in the sense we're talking about slave, it's who or what will control you. Who or what is your highest good? And everyone here and everyone outside of here and everyone who's ever lived and everyone who will ever live will serve somebody because you got to serve somebody right? It's the nature of our life. Now, what he does in these verses is he contrasts having sin as your master or God as your master. And there's really no other alternatives because if you don't choose God, everything else that you choose as your highest good is actually sin, even if it's a good thing. Because remember, when good things become God things, that's a bad thing. So God created the world, he created it for our good, he gave it to us as a gift. The problem is, is we make these good things that God gives us, we turn them into our masters, and good things become God things, and that's sin, and that's a bad thing. This is what sin does when we choose sin as our master. First of all, with sin, we earn our wages. We earn wages. Right there in verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin is very fair. In fact, it's the most fair system that there is. With sin, you get what you pay for. You earn your keep. This is the law of sin. If sin is your master, you will work for sin and you will get paid back for sin. Not, and I'm not talking about payback from God. You must earn your way with sin because whatever that is you've chosen to be your highest good you've got to work for that. So here's an example. If I choose as my, high, my highest good what you think of me, I have to work very hard in order for you to think well of me. And some of us, even as Christians, we're slaves to that. God has set us free, but we're still slaves of sin because we're obsessed with what people think of us. I have to dress a certain way. If I'm a girl, I have to show the appropriate amount of skin so that you'll think that I'm good or I look good or I'm attractive. And we become a slave to what boys think or ladies, you know it's true, of what other girls think. 
Oh, I got one amen there. And the rest of you lie, all right? <laughs> Guys are the same thing. If, I, if my truck is big enough, if I have the sweet enough rims, right? Yeah. Then you'll think that I'm manly because when I turn on my vehicle, it goes brrr, right? And so when my vehicle doesn't do that or when I'm in a loner if it's a rusty piece of junk, then you're controlling me. Well, I've made you my highest good, and those are just stupid examples, but we become controlled by other people. That's our highest good, and, and, and however I perform or however shiny the truck is or how, however shiny I am or how smart I appear, I earn those wages. With sin, you got to work. You got to work. What also comes to that is when you have to work, you're a slave. When you have to work, you become a slave to the law of the world. You're a slave to the law of the world in that case. So have you ever thought about that? If, if, I'm, if, if my highest good is what you think of me, now I have to perform. I'm a slave to that law. I've chosen to obey the world. I've chosen to obey the law of what you think of me. And now I have to keep up appearances. That's rough. That's a hard way to live. I become a slave to that. Here's another example. Maybe, maybe your highest good is how much money you make. Well, then you're on the treadmill, aren't you? No, I'm not. I do overtime on my own free will. Why? Because I want to make more money. Why? So I can buy the things that I want that'll make me happy so I don't have to work. And you know what you do? You work your whole life, and then, here's the third thing with sin, you die. <laughs> right? Death. This is the way the sin master works. You have to earn your wages, you become a slave to that law, and you die. That's all you have. That's the way that you've chosen. It's powerful when you think about it philosophically. I, I've said to more than one person, after the loss of, of someone, usually it's someone that's very young or it's a tragic death, and I've had people that don't believe that they've come to me and they've asked this question, how can a good God allow such a horrible thing to happen? This teenager's life to be cut short, this child's life to be cut short, this tragic car accident, where's your good God in this moment? And I say, I don't, you know... I don't answer for God. God has purposes and reasons that I don't understand, but I'll tell you something. I have hope you have dirt. I have hope you have dirt. And I'm not saying that to be crass or mean. That is, hey, that's what our church is about. We give it to you straight. I have hope you have dust and ashes. I'm sorry. Because that is the sin is your master way. I heard a pastor explain it this way. This is how sin works. It's like a tyrant king in the Middle Ages. He called a blacksmith in and asked him to make him a chain. And so he lit the forge and he got the metal and he began to pound the links and build this chain. And he brought it to the tyrant king and the tyrant king said, make it longer. So he went back to the forge and, and continued to make this chain. This went on for days and weeks of him making the chain, the links of the chain, the chain was getting longer and longer, and he'd bring it to the king, and every single time the king would say, make it longer still. And so he's slaving away to this tyrant king, making the chain as long as he could make it. And finally, one day, he brought this really long chain to the king, and he said, good, that's good enough. And then he called the other subjects there, now bind him in it and throw him in the furnace. That's what sin is your master does. You give control to something other than God, you work for it your whole life, and then you die. For the wages of sin is death. But there's another master that we can choose to obey. 
And it's a choice. And every single person here has the choice. We can choose God as our highest good. God as our master. This is the type of slave master that God is. You don't earn your wages with God. You're gifted grace. I don't know about you, but I like gifts. Anybody here prefer gift to having to work? Just me? All right. If I have a choice of working and getting paid or just being given something, come on, this is 2016. Are you watching politics right now? That's what everybody wants. What are you going to give me? Give me something, right? That's, that's a, we all love a gift. That's our wicked human nature, right? Or just human nature in general. With God, he says, the free gift of God is his grace. By nature, a gift must be free. That's why we say gifted grace. God gives us life. God gives us an identity. God gives us love. God gives us hope. God gives us meaning. He gives us blessings. He gives us spiritual gifts. Wait, but I thought he was a slave. No, no, no. Slave in the sense of I choose the hard taskmaster of sin or I choose a master that gives me gifts. Had an illustration of this uh, just the other day. Um, uh, the women were all out of town, or most of the women were out of town for a women's retreat. And so, like most dads, I'm scrambling because I'm in a 4v1 zone defense. And so it made sense to me, I'm not sure why, uh, to load up the kids in the car and go to Meyer, right? <laughs> we were actually on the way to the movies, but they had some allowance that they wanted to spend, and plus report cards had come in, and I try to reward especially the young ones for good grades that had some good report cards. So they had allowance money, and then they're getting paid for their grades, and we're going to Meyer, which is a big deal because that's one of the outer rings of hell, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it is. You know it is, Right? So we're in Meyer navigating, and I'm explaining to the kids that, listen, this is for your allowance, and you know, like, I don't know, we're not real regular, so I'm like, that's allowance money, and that's for good grades, but I knew they didn't quite have enough money for everything they wanted, like my son, he's eight, he wanted uh, uh, some kind of a Star Wars action figure, and Gabby wanted something, and they weren't going to have enough money, so now dad's digging into the pockets, because mom's out of town, and I'm saying, okay, this is just a gift, all right, that was for grades. And, and that's your allowance, but this is just dad, just because, man, just because I love you, you know. And then, and then Gabby's trying to figure it out in her mind, you know. We're learning basic economics. And she's going, well, well, well we earned that because we love you so much. And I go, no, 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 you don't, you don't get paid for love, sweetheart. You don't get paid for love, okay? Love is free. No, 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 daddy, we, we earn that because we give you hugs and we scratch your back. And I'm like, no, you don't. Love is free. And, and she's trying to make sense of it. It's this is what allowance and this is that. And I'm like trying to say, no, this is a gift just because daddy loves you, just because you are who you are, right? And it's, it's frustrating her because she wants to earn it. And finally, Benjamin, who's in a hurry to get to the Star Wars aisle, goes, Gabby, you can't repay your dad's love. <laughs> and a bright light from heaven <laughs> shows right into Meyer, and angels sang, Hallelujah. Uh, it's like he gets it. Yeah, exactly. And Gabby's like, oh, okay, right? And the eight-year-old taught the 10-year-old, and the world was right, okay? <laughs> but it's true. Some of us struggle with that even as Christians, right? God gives us these free gifts, and what do we spend our time trying to do? We try to still earn stuff. We try to earn stuff from him by doing all our little checklists. We still try to earn from the world, even though why would I choose to go back to the world as a taskmaster when I've chosen God as my master and he gives me this free gift of unconditional love and grace and identity? 
He adopts me. That's a different kind of slave. That's a different kind of slave. It's gifted grace, which under this system, I'm no longer a slave to law in that I have to perform to to get the laws of the world to work for me. Instead, oh, this one might uh, uh, stretch some of us. Now I'm free to obey. I'm free to obey. Wait, I thought I was a slave. Yeah, but under this slave master, we're free to obey or not to obey. It's not based on anything I earned. If it's based on anything I've earned, it's not gospel, and you still don't understand what it means to be a Christian. We're gifted grace, and now we're free to obey. I heard a, 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 a speaker put it this way one time. You don't have to obey the Ten Commandments. You don't have to obey any of the commands of Scripture. You don't have to love God, love people. But until you obey, you will never truly live free. That's the deal. And it's so ironic because there's people that are like, I don't want to be a Christian because I don't want to give up my freedom. In fact, the the artist Marilyn Manson has famously said, you know, I don't want to surrender my life and become a slave to something I don't even believe in. Good. If you don't believe in it, that's fine. Marilyn, uh, I'm sorry that your dad listened to Boy Named Sue too much, but here's the deal. Some of you got that, some of you didn't. Here's the deal. You're still a slave to something. Even if you don't believe in God, you're going to be a slave. And you're either going to be a slave to a taskmaster that will drive you to perform, that you must earn from, and when you don't, payment will end and then you die, or you serve a taskmaster that says, here's a gift, and here's more gifts, and there's nothing you can do to earn those gifts, and you're free to obey me or not, but just so you know, until you obey me, you'll never be free or feel free. The last thing is that, uh, uh, that God, he, he promises life. Life someday and life right now. That's what, we're, that's what we're presented with every moment of every day. One is motivated by work. One is motivated by love. In fact, someone, I was talking to someone between the services and she put it this way. She goes, you know, every time I'm presented with an option of sin or an option of obeying God... I find myself saying, or listening, or imagining God saying, do you love me more? Do you love me more than this? Yeah, but that person hurt me, and I want to respond this way. I want to get payback. Do you love me more than payback? But he did this to me. Do you love me more than what he did? Or do you feel the need to right everything right now and get justice? Do you love me more? But I just can't help myself. Do you love me more than that which you think you can't help? Do you love me more than this substance that's going to make you feel good for a minute? Do you love me more than the images that you're looking at on a screen? Do you love me more than that juicy bit of gossip that you're just dying to share with somebody? Or do you need to share it in order to feel good? Don't you trust the gifts of grace that I've given you? Do you love me more in this moment? That's always the question. For me personally, an illustration I can think of is even though I was a Christian, I was still choosing to make other masters my master, things other than God. God wasn't always my highest good. And even now as a pastor, I sometimes find myself so struggling with that. For me in high school, my highest good became the identity and the accolades that I received on the athletic field. 
I was a soccer player. I was very good at that, right? And so from high school, that was like, now I had to pursue that dream into college. And after college, I pursued that master into the professional ranks. And I thought that that was going to be the greatest moment of my life when I signed my name on a professional contract. Four different years, because it was just one year at a time, I signed my name over to a taskmaster. And I thought when I was a young man that that would make me happy. But then when I got there, I realized that that was the dream of the other 28 guys on the roster too. And only 11 played at a time and only 18 dressed for each game, home or away. But I chased after it. I lived by its laws. And the laws meant that you trained all year round. What was a game and what I'd learned in Haiti was now long, no longer fun for me. Because you had to have proper nutrition, you had to run, you had to lift, you had to do that all the time. And then when it came to the season, because no one's making any money in soccer at that time, right, way back in the day. And so I had to work an eight-hour job, and then in my spare time, I'm a pro soccer player, training four, sometimes five hours a day in in North Carolina, 98-degree heat in the dead of summer. And we beat our bodies because we signed on the dotted line. And my wife will tell you, if I was in the lineup, it was a good week. If I wasn't in the lineup, she didn't want to be around me because it controlled me. It controlled how I felt about myself. And God forbid if if I didn't even get a shirt that week and I had to sit in the stands. And I signed up for this. Now, during those four years, I can remember that God kind of started to change my perspective and my attitude about it. Because it got old. You know when it got the oldest? Was at the end of practice. And this is true whether you're doing sports at, you know, elementary school or all the way up to the pro ranks. Practice is almost over, whatever sport you're in, and then coach says those words. Remember? Well, we need some fitness. Everybody on the line. Some of you, your eyes started to twitch. Remember that? Now, basketball is one thing when it's Free throw line and back, you know, what was it, uh, mid-court, is that what you call it, and back, other free throw line and back, and then all the way to the other end of the gym and back. Soccer players, we did that too, on a 110-yard field, top of the box and back, midfield and back, other box and back, oh man, or, and then, the, you know, when preseason when the coach would say something like, we're going to do these line drills so somebody pukes, you're like, oh please, somebody puke, right? <laughs> And so when I did that as a pro, you know, you're just running, you're dying between the drills. (sighs) You know, he's got a timer and he's reducing the amount of time that you got to rest and all that. I'm thinking, I signed up for this. He's my slave master at this moment. I must please him if I want a shirt, if I want to be in the team, if I want to be in the lineup. He's the boss. You know when I was set free? My last year, during my last year, our oldest child, Isabel, was born. And my perspectives were really starting to change. And I, you know, I can remember uh, um, at the end of the season, we were having just a little break, and, and my wife and I and our new, or she was one at the time, I think, and we're, and we're out in a swimming pool, and I'm throwing her up in the air, and you know, she's just giggling, and we're playing with water and all that kind of stuff. And the general manager of the team happened to be there, and this picture's frozen in my mind. It was a big deal for me. Is because we were just having a conversation. I'm throwing up my kid. He's like, hey, I'm trying to make plans for next year. John, are you going to play again next year? And I'm looking into those eyes. And I'm thinking about line drills. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm going to miss a big part of her life. If I'm doing that, if I'm chasing that dream. 
And I remember saying something like, no, I, I'm not going to, four years was enough. I, got, I accomplished my goal, I'm done. I'd, I'd still come out and train if you need people to scrimmage or whatever, but I'm not going to sign my name. And he goes, okay. And he said some nice things, and you're more than welcome. Fast forward to the next year. Hey, John, we're going to scrimmage today at the end of the workday. You want to come out? I'm working in the front office. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I think I will. I got my boots in the car. Yeah, I'm in. And then I'd show up and I'd play. And you know what I found? I enjoyed the game of soccer for the first time in about 10 years. I actually performed better. I'm schooling all these rookies. Whoop, nutmeg. Yeah. <laughs> Having a good time. And you know what the best part was? When we got to the end of practice. I'm there of my own free will. I'm free to obey or not. I'm a guest at that point. I'm no longer a slave. I am free. Coach says, all right, everybody on the line. I go, I'm going to sit this one out. In fact, you guys have fun. I'm going to Chick-fil-A. I'm going to get a large sweet tea because it is hot. I'm going to get a chicken sandwich and waffle fries because that is the fast food chain in heaven, and I'm getting ready right now. I'm bouncing. It's the same with us. We sign our names to whatever that which is going to control us, or we can sign our names over to freedom. And you know what you're going to find is all of a sudden life tastes different. And there's a new freedom that comes with God as my master. This has been our choice every moment since the beginning of time. Scripture says in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 that when God created the world, he created it good. And in, 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 in the center, he put a garden. And in the center of the garden, he put two trees. And our first parents, Adam and Eve, were given this choice. You can eat from the tree of life. Eat from that tree, you'll live forever, you'll never die. Eat as much of it as you want. But the other tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eat from that tree and you will surely die. That's the choice. Sin is your master is death or eat from the tree of life and you have life and grace and blessing and goodness and freedom. And they were as free as human beings could be, but then they were tempted with the same things that tempt us. Did God really say? See, what the tempter says to us or what he's trying to do is plan it in your mind that somehow God is holding out on you. Somehow God is holding out on you. I find this sometimes with my kids. I have to tell them, listen, I have to say no to this, and I can't give you all the reasons why, but it's for your good. And they argue and they fuss and they fight because they don't trust that daddy has their good in mind. I'm not trying to keep something from you. I'm trying to give you something, and you're too childish to understand it. Well, when I chase after affirmation, when I chase after money, when I chase after lust, when I chase after greed, when I covet, when I cut corners, when I lie, I'm not trusting God for the truth that he'll provide, that he'll satisfy my needs, that he's the greater good. I don't trust him, just like Eve didn't trust the serpent or didn't trust God because of what the serpent said. And then when she saw that the fruit was good, she took it and she ate it and her eyes were open, she and Adam both. And that's when Sin and death entered the world. All throughout history, right down to now, there's two trees. And we can eat from the tree of life or from the tree of sin. The tree that God 
gives us freely to eat from, or we can choose to eat from the tree that only brings death. Will you love God or will you love sin? What he's saying is, in Christ, you and I have a new master. Well, it's not that simple. Ah, I think it is. It's not easy to live out. But that's what we're presented with. Each moment, will I choose God as my highest good? Or do I have to take matters into my own hands? When really it's not in my own hands, I'm signing over my freedom to a different taskmaster. That's the question. And here's the, and here's the trick. Here's the key. We'll end with this. In John chapter 8, Jesus said that a slave is never really part of the family. You can be a good slave, you can work hard, you can earn your wages, but as, as a slave, you're never really part of the family. Because I know for some of us, it's really slave to God, really, except that this is how you become a slave to God. When you choose to be a slave to God, something beautiful happens. Jesus goes on in John chapter 8, 35 and 36 to say this, is that a slave's never part of the family, but a son is a part of the family. And he says, who the son sets free is free indeed. If I choose to be a slave to God through Jesus Christ, I become a slave that is adopted into the family. It's a great deal. And the deal is this. If the Son, Jesus, sets you free, it's the freest you will ever be. Being a slave to God is the freest we can ever be. So as the band comes, I just want to ask you this question. I believe God's speaking, and I'm, I'm going to now turn it over to you. What's God saying to you? Who or what are you serving? That silly commercial about smartphones made me think about that. And maybe this message for you, maybe it takes it to the next level. Who or what are you serving? Is it sports? Is it your education? Is it your boss? And I'm not suggesting you quit your job. But you can do your job in such a way where you're no longer a slave. Is it money? Is it affirmation? Is it identity? Is it your appearance? Why don't you bow your heads with me if you would. Who or what are you serving? Who or what master is controlling you? Because we all have a master. You've got to serve somebody. The offer of God is, choose to serve me. It's the freest you'll ever be. I believe this morning we have people that have even called themselves Christians, but they're eating from the tree of death. God's already set you free. Pray to prayer, got saved, we're baptized. Which tree are you going to eat from? Who's really your master? God, I pray that in those moments where we're granted your wisdom just for a moment to make a decision about how we will respond in the everyday moments, God, would you help us to choose you as our master instead of sin? God, I thank you for the new life and the new power that you promise. And God, I thank you that through the price that Jesus paid on a cross, that we can have you as our master. God, if there's anyone here that is still choosing to eat from the tree of death, I pray that this morning that they would make a conscious decision. I want to eat life. 
Tired of working hard with no return. I'm ready for a gift. Because ultimately, God, it's for your glory, and it's for our good. It's for our joy. It's a really good deal. So we thank you for your word, and I pray that you will give us courage and insight in order to respond in a way that's pleasing to you. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus, our great God and King.